freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 95 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, and I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We have a great show today. Our, ho- our theme is the shame game. Mm, the shame game. I wonder what that could possibly be about. Let's talk about our guests and see if we can kind of break that down a little bit. Well, our first hour, we have David Cole. He's a writer with Black Man with a Gun, discussing his latest articles titled The Question. So the question he's referring to is that one that's laced with accusation that insinuates that guns or their owners are somehow responsible for the actions of murderers like the madman in Las Vegas. Then we have Chris Bird, author of Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. When seconds count, police are still minutes away. Mm-hmm. We also have Chuck Holton. He's an author of Bulletproof, The Making of an Invincible Mind, host of Frontlines, an NRA TV series, and a freelance cameraman for Fox News and for War Stories with Oliver North on the Fox News Channel. We wanted to ask Chuck about all the places he's been to where gun control has made for a safer world. Ah, <laughs> Why are you laughing? Alert. Because of spoiler alert. We're pretty sure the answer is nowhere. We'll find out. We'll ask Chuck. <clears throat> Our second hour, we have Amanda Collins. Amanda Collins is a founder of T-E-A-R-S. Tears Speak, actually. Right. It's a teaching empowerment assault and rape survivors empowering assault and rape survivors where she encourages survivors and advocates for victims rights and women's rights to self-defense a survivor herself who released who recently participated in nancy pelosi's televised town hall meeting amanda was there to talk to us about the dangers of restricting people's rights as hers were the night she was robbed of her human right to have protected herself if she hadn't have been in a gun-free zone. Those gun-free zones, Mm. aren't they great? They're clearly not gun-free. We also have Tim Miller. He's a founder and president of Lionheart International Services Group and a 30-year law enforcement and military professional. As a Secret Service special agent assigned to the Washington field office, Tim coordinated all aspects of security for the president, vice president, and foreign heads of state on a regular basis. Tim is currently the director of security at Christ Fellowship in South Florida, a church of 35,000 people with seven campuses. <clears throat> and we also have Del- uh, Dr. Kelly Ward. She's candidate for the U.S. Senate. Dr. Ward just had a huge campaign kickoff event last night, and she had some powerful names in attendance. And backing her campaign, she will be here to talk about what lies ahead. Well, I want to dig into that theme a little bit deeper, Dan, the shame game. And I, I want to read an email that came through to Danny and I. 
It reads, in part, and I quote, I would like to express my dissatisfaction with your comments on the radio. In my opinion, this author writes, the people that refuse to support reasonable gun laws that protect all Americans should be required to suffer the loss of one of their loved ones to a shooter and see how they feel about your position. This author goes on to say that in his opinion, uh, that our position here on Gun Freedom Radio and, and those of us that support the, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution is self-serving. And it shows an utter lack of responsibility in this author's opinion for the results of, of the position of those that uh, support the Second Amendment. It seems impossible for you, he says, to accept that your position has permitted massacres every single day in our beloved nation if you supported reasonable gun laws, this person says, that protected hunting rights and self-defense rights, but that protected all of us from reckless gun laws that make families and individuals suffer the loss of their family members every single day in this country for no discernible reason except out of pure selfishness and to the benefit of the lords of war and the arms merchants. This person goes on to write, you might say that it's impossible, but they've done it in every civilized nation on this planet. The facts are that the states with the most lax gun laws have the most gun handgun deaths and crime taking place every single day. 58 murdered recently because of your failure to take responsibility. How many minutes or hours until the next massacre? I implore you and your group to begin a process of finding solutions to this American bloodbath rather than, like robots, eschew responsibility and continue to follow your policy. Look deep into your hearts and prevent children from losing their parents. It's been done in so many places around the world, this person writes. Go there and see how they live without fear of daily massacres. Don't know where the Shangri-La is that this person thinks exists, but he, he finalizes with, there are simple and reasonable solutions. Australia has done it. We can do it working together. The end. So I'm left with the thought, basically, Mr. Letter Writer, which is it? Do you want my family to be required to be murdered? Or do you want to work together for the solution of evil, which you have just pointed to the fact that you are, that you want my family murdered? So I wish I could take time to break down this letter sentence by sentence to help educate the author. But the invitation to do so was nullified in the second sentence. When someone begins a letter by saying they want my family to suffer death, it gives us nowhere to go from there. So the people who are on the network saying, can we finally have a sensible discussion about guns? They aren't really asking for a true conversation. They are seeking to shame us, scare us, threaten us, and all the while lecture and talk at us. They just want their way, period. And according to this person who wrote this lovely letter, and so many others like him, if it takes murdering us to get their way, they are just okay with that being a requirement. Dan? 
Wow. You know, I read this email several times, and he's right. What? He's right. Which part is he right about? We need reasonable gun laws. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but wait. We already have them. It's called the Second Amendment. There's our reasonable gun laws. We don't need any more than that. We have them. Well, you know, somehow you and I get that. And there's a, there's a whole lot of, thankfully, freedom-loving people that get that. That, you know, when somebody steps up to, supposedly, we don't know the details fully yet, but steps up to a window and on the 32nd floor of a tower in Las Vegas and aims firearms down at a crowd and starts pulling the trigger with the intent to murder them. So that person who cares nothing about human life, nothing about the fact that murder is already illegal, that person is somehow going to be stopped by some magical, what did he call it, reasonable gun laws, what else do you call it? Oh, that we now have reckless gun laws. I just don't, I don't understand what, um, well, first I'd like to ask how, how they really logically, I, I truly don't believe there's logic. I think this is very emotionally driven. It's a very emotional letter. I get that we're all highly emotional about the loss of human life, but at some point we have to engage our logic. What I'd like to ask him is where is this place that he's referring to that is Shangri-La? Where is it? Where's well, he thinks it's Australia, babe. Oh, so. so so they took all our guns away in Australia, and there's no crime there anymore. According hmm. to him, hey, he also thinks that maybe it's Paris because uh, there's so many places around the world. Go and see how they live without fear of daily massacres. What happened in What happened in Paris? A couple of things. Paris have one of the uh, the strictest gun laws in the uh-huh. world. Uh huh. Paris. Paris. And that's where yeah. the hundred and something people were. Killed in that concert? Right, with, I believe it was fully automatic uh, firearms that are completely illegal and banned there. And not just that, but... uh, Maybe that was just a movie. In France, also, in Nice, France, a guy used a truck. So we don't get to live in Shangri-La where people don't live without fear of daily massacres just because we magically somehow, um, you know, all the guns just, just dissolve. They just disappear. So... That happened with Prohibition, didn't it? Didn't we not have alcohol for, for in the 20s? And, every, and, it, and every, it just disappeared? Right. There was no alcohol nowhere? Right. No one made alcohol? No. Or nobody imported it Mm-mm. from Canada? Nope. Is, is, is that what he's talking about? Oh, wait. We're remembering that wrong. No, it actually <laughs> didn't work that way at all. When they prohibited something with some common sense law that they came up with, people found a way around it. Crime rose because the black market was... Uh, empowered and enriched by people are going to want X, whatever the X is you're trying to outlaw, and they're going to find a way to get get it, and the bad guys are going to be happy to supply that, and they're going to line their pockets and get rich and powerful, and it it just creates a whole lot of uh, crime and death and mayhem, and when you empower people with freedom, it doesn't mean that we live in Shangri-La that way either, but I, I would much rather encounter the dangers of freedom than I do of enslavement. Well, you know, in Cuba, they have really strict gun laws. I don't think you can even touch a gun in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And I have seven or eight guns that were brought back from Cuba mm-hmm. that were homemade, that were very effective firearms. 
that were made with common household items, like cigarette lighters and uh, pieces of pipe. And they actually made these firearms. Now, we're talking about a country that, you know, they had revolutions and people couldn't get guns, so they made their guns to survive. What would keep that from happening here or anywhere? Well, in Prohibition, as you mentioned, people made bathtub gin, and a lot of people died from that because they didn't quite know how to do it correctly, and I think the same thing would happen. It would just endanger more lives to try to put these restrictions that this, this lovely person who wishes death upon us but wants to work together, uh, who wrote this letter. So with that, uh, we're going to move along. We're going to ha- take a quick break, and when we come back, we have our first guest, Mr. David Cole, writer with Black Man with a Gun, and he's going to be talking about the question. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today, as you heard in our opener, is called The Shame Game. We received a very unpleasant email from someone who is trying to shame us into speaking differently on the radio about gun rights and guns themselves. And our our first guest today, David Cole, is writer with Black Man with a Gun, and he wrote an article recently discussing that kind of uh, questioning, that kind of uh, behavior that comes from people who are wanting to restrict our rights. 
And that article that uh, he wrote is titled, The Question. So the question he's referring to is one that is laced with accusation, and it insinuates that guns or their owners are somehow responsible for the actions of murderers. David, are you with us? I am. Well, welcome to the show. It's always good to talk to you and get to catch up a little bit. Dan's here as well. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah. Hey, Dan. So talk to us about this article, The Question. I think it, it was written right after this horrible event in Las Vegas. Am I right? You are correct. Um, and I actually wrote it, and it's interesting how I get some of my ideas, stemmed from a conversation I had with a friend on Facebook who asked me what I refer to in this article as the question. And it's one that it seems like we get all the time when one of these horrible mass murders happens, somebody, especially if you're the gun person, in air quotes, somebody's going to come up and ask you, what do you think about it? What do you think about the shooting at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas? And if you take it literally, the, the first response is, well, good grief, I think it's awful. You know, I'm a human being. It's of terrible. Course, of course. Like, who wouldn't feel that way? But what you usually figure out pretty quickly is it's not so much the <clears throat> words that they're asking. The underlying question is a little bit different because of who they're asking, which is you, the gun person. What they're really asking is, now have enough people been killed to get you to talk about more gun control? Ah, and there we have it. The and shame. That's the shame. real question. Mm-hmm. And and it comes, and to me, it, it comes as a very kind of passive, aggressive, accusatory thing that obviously if you, if you don't support more gun control after something like this, you must be a, a horrible, horrible person. Mm-hmm. So now how do we deal with that? is the question we have in return. And of course, the the real question, again, we feel horrible about mass murder, but uh, once you get into this conversation with the person about now, do you support more gun control? And most of us are obviously gonna answer no, I, I don't. And they'll get into the incremental things. Well, what about background checks? What about gun registration, things like that? And they. They start throwing out all those incremental mm-hmm. gun control laws that we've been dealing with for decades now. Mm-hmm. And any of them, you can pretty easily point out that they don't really have any real effect. Obviously, the, the shooting in Las Vegas, um, as I point out in my article, either the murderer complied with gun control laws we already have or he broke them. But either way, he, he did what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, he either complied with current gun control laws, which didn't stop anything, or the ones that might have stopped him, he just violated them anyway. Right, but somehow so, the people that believe in that that Shangri-La is found under the thumb of yet more laws, they it's like it, they just find it intolerable that there is nothing that can be done other than to restrict more rights and and. We find it intolerable as well that there's nothing that can be done, but we live in reality that says that human nature is human nature. And if it's not guns, it's going to be a, a box truck down the streets right. of Nice, France, right? Or it's going to be a pressure cooker on the streets of Boston during a marathon. I don't understand why, and that's a silly way to state that. I don't understand why, but. 
It always is about the guns when that happens to be the tool used. But we just don't hear the same kind of pushback when it's some other tool of destruction. Right. And what I do understand, and I think where a lot of this comes from, is the human natural reaction to try and find a way to prevent bad things from happening. It's, it's natural. We all want to keep bad things from happening. And the easiest thing in a case like this is, is to point to guns because it's much harder to, or probably impossible to change human nature and, and the mental health issues and other things that might have impacted incidents like this and others are much harder to address. It's, it's easy to pass the law says, okay, you've, you've got to have background checks for private sales mm-hmm. and say, and feel like you've done something. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it, and it, but it's very difficult for us as human beings to accept that at, at a certain level, we're, we're helpless to prevent things from happening that we can't control. If there's no sequence of levers we can pull and buttons we can push to prevent the bad thing from happening in the future, whether it's a gun or a truck or a box cutter or a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so I think that's a natural human reaction. And the fact is that there are broken people in the world that freedom is dangerous and it always will be. And no matter how much we try and restrict society and the things that we can and can't have or who can and can't have them, that the bad people are always going to find a way. And for reasonable, logical people like us to try and apply reason and logic to the actions of a madman is never going to compute. Mm. So well, Dave, back to your, you know, the, the question. I wish right. I would have read that article right away because the day after the shooting, I, I've had several conversations. We went to some events and, you know, people called me on the phone and they did make me feel guilty. Because, yeah. first of all, I was grieving for those people. I wasn't even thinking about gun laws or what's going to happen to our industry. I truly wasn't. I was thinking about, man, why? Why, why did this happen? So if I would have known about this question, and really it's a question on a question, I think I, I, I would have done better with that. Of course, I don't feel that there's any gun laws that would have prevented this, so we don't need, we don't need more gun laws. We have enough as it, as it is. But I still, you know, it makes you think. It does. and you It know, does. I don't know why it always hits us like, you know, that we have to be on the defensive just because somebody asks us a question that, that implies that we should be, you know? It's like, well, it's somebody in our community <laughs> broke the law. Well, it's not, right. is it our community? Whose well, community does he belong to? We don't well, even know yet, really, associ- this right. particular guy. But, we're, but he, he was in some way associated to us. He, you know, from what they're telling us, we don't know all the story, but anytime somebody fails in a community, we all grieve with that. Well, that's the truth. And uh, when we do start trying to look for sort of answers to, well, what, you know, what could we do? What are some of maybe the common factors in these things? And that took me to another an article that you wrote, Dave, and it's actually been a few years. Right. Um, it's yes. called The Four Constants of Spree Killers, and you wrote it back in May of 2014. What are those four <coughs> constants? To, and can we find anything there to help us be proactive in the future? 
Well, I think so, and, and I wrote this after the Santa Barbara killing, which ironically was done partly with a gun and partly with a car and partly with a knife, and several implements were used, mm-hmm. and you see this, and, and the four constants, I call them the four constants, it's not 100%, there are some exceptions, but by and large, when we have one of these spree killers, you're going to see four things, and, and first of all, they happen almost all the time, and Dr. John Lott, a mutual friend of ours, has done research that proves this, mm-hmm. they almost always happen in a gun-free zone. Right. In a place where people are disarmed and not as capable of defending themselves. So why then because isn't the knee-jerk reaction, you know what, gun-free zones are clearly <laughs> not gun-free. They're clearly bad. They're clearly a hunting ground, a, a preferred hunting ground for these bad guys. Why isn't the cry ringing across the land that that's, that's not going to work anymore? Let's get rid of those. Oh, you're preaching to the choir, Cheryl. If if you want to do an hour sometime, that's my probably my pet issue of any of them is is the idiocy of of the quote, air quote gun free zone because mm-hmm. they don't exist. Mm-hmm. But that but it's it's obviously much easier for someone with a gun intent on evil to do their evil in a gun free zone where people can't fight back effectively, mm-hmm. and they almost always happen there. The Mandalay Bay in the Las Vegas incident has a very clear policy prohibiting guns on their property. But the wait, he, one is he had the, guns, though. <laughs> exactly. He had, he had right. a lot of guns. So, exactly. And, and and I like to put it a lot of times is there there is no such thing as a gun-free zone. They're only gun-free until they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, what's the other thing but, that's no, a constant? So the next one is that the killer was mentally ill. And again, in, in almost all cases, you're going to find that they had some sort of mental issues. And... They're still investigating the Las Vegas shooting, but I read some news reports that he was on antidepressants. And I've also read a report that his girlfriend stated that he would lie in bed screaming and moaning for no apparent reason. And it sounds like when all the facts are in, we're going to find that he did have some mental issues. And then the third one? And that leads to the third one, that somebody knew it. Mm -hmm. Somebody knew that the person had these issues. In the case of the Las Vegas shooter, he was on antidepressants, which have to be prescribed by a doctor. So somebody knew. He had seen a healthcare professional who, who prescribed him these mental health drugs. And it's so hard to know. Like if, if anyone out there listening right now feels like, man, a, a face and a name just popped up in my mind. And it's not just because right. they own 42 guns, you know. It's because they act erratically or, you know, they talk about using those guns inappropriately. And I think people just don't know, okay, therefore, what, what do I say and who do I say it to? And what if I overreact? Right. I think that there's right. so and much fear in overreacting that it's keeping people from speaking up and even knowing who to speak to. And I think it's, and I think that's one of the the biggest underlying issues in a lot of these mass shootings is the mental health question. And it, and I don't have all the answers, but I think that's one of the places we need to be looking a little bit harder. And it's a difficult one to address without impacting people's gun rights and gun freedoms without due process. And and, and we've seen some suggestions that. Uh, Anybody who goes to a psychiatrist, the VA, had some issues with tagging people as prohibited persons with the FBI for a background check simply because they had a fiduciary assigned because they had difficulty managing their finances. And I think that 
that violates Second Amendment rights, due process rights, sure. a lot of other things. So sure. it, it, it's a very difficult subject to address, but I think it's a very real source of, of a lot of these issues. Absolutely. And, hey, we are about out of time, so let's hit your fourth right. constant and uh, – and, and the killers almost always keep going until they're confronted with armed resistance, whether it's a civilian, police, or whatever. But almost in all cases, uh, they're going to keep going and killing unarmed people until someone with a gun shows up and stops them. And at which point, almost all the time, they either surrender or commit suicide. And that, and that pretty appears much, to have been the case in Las Vegas. And that pretty much loops us right back around to the top one where... Exactly. Gun-free zones are really at the core of so much of this right. madness. And um, with that, we really do have to run. Uh, please, before we go, tell folks how they can follow the, the work you do. And, uh, of course, we, we already look forward to the next time we're going to bring you back on. Well, I always enjoy talking to you guys. I'm at blackmanwithagun.com. I have my own header, David B. Cole. You can find any of my stuff there. Uh, just by clicking that link. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And please keep up the good work because, you know, if we don't have sensible voices out there, just kind of, um, you know, logically uh, helping to combat some of the the irrational emotional arguments, uh, we are going to run off a cliff one of these days. So David Cole with Black Man with a Gun. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Good talking to you. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, stick around because on the other side of these messages, we have author Chris Bird. Chris is the author of several books, but we are going to be talking to him about the one titled Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. When seconds count, police are still minutes away. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, 
military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And our next guest, we've had him on a few times because he has written a few books. Uh, This is author Chris Bird coming on with us. And uh, he has written, like I said, a number of books. But the one that caught my, tugged at my mind recently is the one titled Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. When seconds count, police are still minutes away. Welcome to the show, Chris. Well, hi, Cheryl. Pleasure to be with you, as always. Absolutely. And Dan is here as well. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Hi, Dan. Hi. Good. So the reason, obviously, I guess maybe it's obviously that the title of your book um, jumped to my mind is because of the mass killer rampage that was taking place in Las Vegas on a terrible night a couple of weeks back, maybe three weeks ago already. And we still don't even know why. We don't know all the details. But as we watch those horrible videos uh, people's cell phone videos of um, as it was unfolding, we're seeing people say, oh, no, that's not a gun. That's that's firecrackers. Don't worry about it. And then they realize, oh, wait, maybe it is gunfire. And so then what do we do? Do we hunker down? Do we run? Do you know? And and we really do not know in any given situation what the best uh maneuver is and you've studied this for years you've written about it for years and I just thought maybe you could talk to us a little bit about um, that particular incident and any others that that you could use as a comparative well sure Cheryl Um, the uh, uh, one one thing that uh, you mentioned already is uh, people not realizing that uh, when they hear gunfire that that's what it is Uh, At the shooting at Virginia Tech some years ago, um, people heard uh, shots, but they thought it was uh, a nail gun being used on a construction site. (coughs) So there is a kind of a denial uh, among the general public um, that something like this is really happening. It uh, it gets a lot of publicity, but in fact it's... uh, uh, you know, the, the odds of you actually being involved in something like that are really minuscule. But uh, that said, uh, it doesn't do any harm to be prepared. And uh, one of the things that uh, uh, the uh, federal law enforcement agencies and some state and local law enforcement agencies have been um the, the mantra for ordinary citizens is run, hide, fight. Now, obviously, in the case of uh, Las Vegas, fight was uh, not an option. 
the guy was 32 stories up in a hotel uh, about 400 yards away from the people that he was shooting at. So uh, normally uh, in a mass shooting incident, uh, what happens is the uh, the shooting is up close and personal, mm-hmm. and uh, so in in those sort of circumstances you can fight back. But uh, uh, like I say, that was not an option in this case. Well, and um, even if the crowd had been armed, you know, if it was like a rally or something where people, um, you know, sometimes do bring their firearms, uh, it. I don't believe it would have even been advisable to try to fight in that situation because, you know, he was so far away and so high up and that sort of thing. What What do you think about that? Uh, yes, I, I would agree with that, that uh, um, uh, certainly in that particular case, it was impractical to uh, to, fight, uh, to fight back. One, one of the things I think that was pretty common to pretty well everybody uh, down on the ground was where is this coming from? Uh, they didn't um, know where the uh, where the shooter was, and uh, as you say, even if they did uh, know where he was, maybe using a concealed handgun at 400 yards is not a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, uh, I think, under those circumstances, it was. Uh, hide or run, but the problem with that is if you don't know where the danger is or where it's coming from, it's really difficult to uh, to take cover. Uh, you might have a brick wall right close to you, as I saw in uh, some of the, the video that came out of there, but you don't know which side to, uh, uh, to, to be on it because uh, you don't know where the bullets are coming from. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing that uh, that makes it difficult. As far as hiding is concerned, um, you have to be really careful about that, um, not particularly in this case, but um, in the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, um, that uh, a lot of people uh, ran to hide in the bathroom Mm. Well, bathrooms have uh, normally one exit and uh, an entrance, and it's the same door. And so if the uh, the shooter follows you in, you're trapped. And right. that's exactly what happened there. Oh, gosh. So uh, you've got to be careful. You really want to hide somewhere where you have um, uh, a couple of uh, exits, not just one. But, Especially uh, if you've been disarmed by being in a gun-free zone, right? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, run is uh, usually a good option. However, um, in this particular case, uh, the shooting caused panic, as it normally will in these sort of things, and everybody was charging for the uh, for the exits. Um, I noticed that in the, all the reports that I heard that uh, the uh, the people uh, who were uh, damaged, shall we say, were referred to as injured, not wounded, injured. Hmm. And I suspect that quite a few of them may have been trampled underfoot oh. when uh, um, in, right. in the panic to get out. So you want to stay away from it. It is important to stay away from... Uh, a panicked crowd as it is to stay away from a mob. And uh, well, Chris, that's the also. Other thing, oh, I'm sorry. 
Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Well, I just I was thinking if I was in that situation, you know, you don't really have a lot of time to think, so you have to use your instincts. But I saw a video, really a lengthy one, and um, this officer was controlling the people coming out. They were along a cement pillar, like you were saying, and when they were shooting, he'd say, everybody, get down. And then when the shooting stopped, he'd say, okay, get up and run. And he had this under, really under good control. Uh, there were some people that were wounded in, in that area. And it was just like, but to me, I'd look at, do I want to run towards an exit? Because maybe that's what they're targeting, the exit. That's true. Um, however, if, if the exits are the, basically the only way to get out of the killing zone, um, you have to uh, at least try to, to, to do that. But uh, probably above all, when you're attending anything in public, even if you're in a restaurant or a theater or an open-air concert like this, um, situational awareness is, is really important. You should be paying attention from the moment before you even get in, in there uh, scoping out the exits, uh, if something goes wrong, and it, it doesn't even have to be a shooting. It could be a fire. It could be an earthquake. Um, the, there's many possibilities. Uh, in other words, it could be a natural disaster rather than mm -hmm. uh, man-made. So, uh, uh, But there are certain things that, <clears throat> that you can do in preparation um, it's also, I was impressed by what I heard, the reports I heard of the number of people who helped the wounded to get out, uh, whether bundling them into a car or a taxi uh, and, and driving them to the hospital, or whether they were actually, uh, I think in, in at least one case, they were using uh, crowd barriers on their sides as Im, uh, improvised stretchers. Mm -hmm. um, but they stayed in harm's way to help others. And uh, usually with these sort of incidents, uh, you, you do tend to, it tends to bring out uh, the best in some people, the worst in others. Um, I, I guess uh, it's natural if you don't have a plan to, um, to, to be, uh, uh, I guess, panicked. The worst thing, really, in those sort of instances is to be surprised. Mm -hmm. um, you, you should have thought of all this beforehand and have a plan. Because if you're trying to execute a plan, you don't have time to panic. Mm -hmm. It's people who uh, really don't know what's going on and, and, uh, and haven't thought about it ahead of time that are at risk. Absolutely. And we are just about out of time. But... Um, off air, we were talking about how there are advantages and disadvantages of cell phones. And I, I assume some of the disadvantages are that, that level of distraction that they create in our Oh, absolutely. Worlds. Yeah. And it, uh, um, I, I'm sure that almost everybody who had a cell phone uh, in that concert uh, was either receiving phone calls or making them. Mm -hmm. um, people would, uh, relatives would be worried about uh, where their um, their their, uh, uh, their people were, and uh, uh, so, uh, and I've seen people. I mean, they walk down the street. They're um, looking at their cell phone. They're texting. Mm -hmm. uh, they're paying absolutely no attention to what's going on around them. Absolutely. And that also applies in a vehicle. Absolutely. So, 
Right. It, uh, and, and in uh, low light conditions, like this was at nighttime, um, uh-huh. you know, and, and many crimes occur in the cover of darkness. If we are looking at the light of our phone and then we try to glance up and see what's going on near us and around us, it takes a while for our eyes to adjust to the darkness. And that's all that a bad guy needs sometimes. And the light makes a target. And the light makes a target. Yep. That's, That's true. For sure. That's true. Well, Chris, we've got to run. Um, please tell folks real fast before we take off, how can they uh, find out more about you, the work you do, uh, the books that you've already written, grab up a few, buy a few, and maybe about what else uh, you've got coming down the pike? Well, I, uh, I've got uh, uh, a website and, and uh, uh, to find out uh, what I've been doing to get uh, detailed description of, uh, descriptions of the books. It's privateerpublications.com, but it's easier to, to uh, get to it through uh, www.chrisbird, that's B-I-R-D, dot U-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of easier to remember than uh, uh, I know. I've had people say, well, how do you spell privateer? <laughs> well, even Chris sometimes has other spellings, so it's C-H-R. It does, it does. So it's C-H-R-I-S. B-I-R-D dot Perfect. U-S. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Please keep up the good work, and uh, we look forward already to the next time we'll be asking you back on. Well, thank you and Dan for, uh, for having me, and uh, uh, you keep up the good work, too. Thank you. Chris Bird of ChrisBird.us, author of Surviving a Mass Killer Rampage. When seconds count, police are still minutes away. Now, Cheryl. Yes. You've been out roaming this country, going to Texas and all kinds of things. And um, I'm, I'm not sure, are you aware that we have at Pot of Gold Estate liquidations, that we have an auction on October 28th? I actually was aware of that, and I'm actually going to be home. I'm going to be there in attendance on Saturday, October 28th, out in Avondale at 215 East Western Avenue in Avondale. It's going to be a great auction. It starts on Saturday. It's at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Normally, our auctions are in the evening, mm-hmm. but this one's 10 o'clock in the morning. We have 650 quality lots. We've got a almost brand new 115 house horsepower uh, boat and trailer. Nice. We got a UTV that's like got 90 hours on it. A, no, a nine, UTV? I've heard of an ATV. 90 minutes. I mean, 90 miles is all it has on it. It's brand new. And what it, is it? It's a, it's a it's an ATV, but it's a utility vehicle. Oh, a utility. Polaris. Polaris, yep. Browning, with only 90 miles? Browning edition with gun racks, everything. It's it's like, it's still got the tags on the do we want to tell people about that? Because that now everybody's going to want to buy it. <laughs> you know what? This, and it sounds like something that it would be on the Danny Todd Christmas well, list. Uh, if I had a place for it, it would be. But you know what? This is a true no-reserve auction. Everything's going to be sold for whatever it sells for. We also have a 1999 Harley-Davidson with very low miles. It's custom, really nice. We've got guns. We've got coins. One of the coins I want to mention is an 1893S certified Coin is super rare, Morgan Dollar. Wow. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of neat things. You can go online at potofgoldestate.com and click on the October 28th auction and, and see that and many other things. And start bidding now, actually. You can. And also I want to talk about 
You know, one of the good things about December, what's the best thing about December? The weather, that it's finally not 100 degrees outside. Right, but also <laughs> December is when we have the small arms review show in Arizona. It's oh, a, yeah, at the, fairgrounds. the biggest gun show in Arizona yeah. all year. Yes, and there's a building of just machine guns and military stuff, and it's, it's fun. People, you know, they've been doing it. I think this is my 11th year of doing it of going to this show and we're going to have all the guns that are in our December 4th auction. Mm-hmm. It's a military and gun only auction. So we have medals and bayonets and rifles and things. It's going to be the day after that show. So you can come to the show and look at all the guns. Mm-hmm. And then the next night, Monday night, we're going to be having those at auction. And that's a no reserve. I can tell you right now, there is a Colt, Patter- uh, a Colt Patterson. There is uh, several single-action Colts, mm-hmm. several Winchesters. Uh, there's a two Winchester Model 66 Yellow Boy, the brass frame guns, from 1866. They're not the new reproductions. Uh, just a ton of really cool items there. Wow. And stuff's coming in every day from yes. what you guys are telling me. Uh, when I'm not gallivanting around and, uh, you know, actually down at the shop, I don't get to see what's what's coming in. But you guys said there's tons coming in. Now, this is at the same location, right? Pot Two, of Gold yep, Auctions. Yep, 215 East Western in Avondale, Arizona. That auction starts at 6 o'clock on December 4th. And I didn't mention this, but there's three or four Colt Pythons in there, too. Yeah, that's going to be an amazing auction. And are those online where people can bid now, too? Yes, you could go online and see the... December, the October 28th auction is all online. It's ready to go. Mm-hmm. The December 4th, we have about 220 items on there right now. We're going to go to 400. So we're still building that catalog. So keep an eye on it. And if you look at that, just make sure you re- refresh your page each time you go back because then it'll show you the new things that came up. Super, super cool. And don't forget about Crossroads of the West and the SAR show. It's December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. That's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday show at the fairgrounds. It's awesome. All right. And this year, I'm pretty sure we have Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan coming out to perform live again. Uh, last year, he had a schedule conflict, but um, he's a world uh, cup holder, a world award winning uh, tricks gun spinner. That and means just, he's pretty good. Just pretty amazing good. and funny, and he's just awesome. You should check him out on our, our website, actually, gunfreedomradio.com. You can click on the guest tab and Look up Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan and, and get a little peek at, at what he does. Okay, we have a guest waiting on the phone, and he's someone that we love talking to, so we don't want to take another minute before we bring him on. Uh, this is Chuck Holton about to come on, and Chuck is one of these guys that if there is a mess happening anywhere, some civil unrest, some war breaking out, Chuck Holton gets the call and runs in the direction of that craziness to help bring sensible reporting and helps us know what's going on out there. He's also the author of the book Bulletproof, The Making of an Invincible Mind. He's the host of Frontlines on NRA TV series. He's a freelance cameraman for Fox News and also War Stories with Oliver North on the Fox News channel. And we wanted to ask Chuck, all these places that he goes to and all these places he's been where gun control has somehow made for a safer 
uh, Shangri-La world for people to live in. Chuck, are you with us? <laughs> I am. Uh, I've been to a lot of those garden spots lately, but um, I'm not sure what you're talking about when it comes to gun control. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because when I asked you for the interview, I pretty much phrased it like that, and your reply was, um, what? <laughs> uh, didn't quite catch the sarcasm that... You know, uh, we the title or the theme of our show today is the shame game because people want to shame those of us that believe in our Second Amendment rights and want to enact our Second Amendment rights. Whenever some horrible event happens, they they write us ugly emails like we got one recently and, and they talk to us in the grocery store and they want to shame us by saying, you know, haven't enough people died yet that you will just give up your guns? And I'm like, well, show me an example of where that works. And I don't know, maybe we could have that conversation. And I'm like, well, who would know? Hmm, Chuck, maybe. So we're asking you. Why? why? Well, I've certainly been all, all over the, the planet this year. Um, and, uh, gosh, I don't even remember all the places I've been, I think. Um, but uh, I certainly have not seen uh, any place where uh, gun restrictions have made things better um now you know i've been to um uh let's see let's just talk about a few of the places i've been recently Mm -hmm. okay uh been been to mexico okay uh now in mexico you know mexico they have a um something in their constitution that sort of gives their people the right to keep in their arms. The problem is that it has been legislated away to just about nothing. Which is what and, people would like um, to see happen here. Well, yeah, and this, there's a warning in this for, the, for us here in the United States. The liberals really know that they're not going to be able to repeal the Second Amendment, but I think that the, the tactic that they would like to take is to uh, chip away at our gun rights through legislation by calling for, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, let's say like a tax on ammunition. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they tried that in Mexico. Uh, they, you know, or, or the, the gun permitting process, making that more stringent. They tried that in Mexico. Right now in Mexico, you can legally get a firearm for home protection, uh, however, it's going to cost you about a year's wages. Whoa! Uh, to do so. It'll it'll take several years for you to get your uh, your, your permit. It, there's there's essentially only one place in the entire country where you can buy a gun legally, and that's in Mexico City. So if you live far away from there, you'd have to travel to go get get that. You have to renew the gun permit every uh, couple of years, and again, it's prohibitively expensive. And they have uh, basically they said that so so the, the constitutional uh, amendment that they have states that you can own a gun so long as it's not intended specifically for military use. Well, so they've then redefined uh, what military use firearms are to encompass just about everything. So really, the only calibers that you're allowed to own legally are 380 and below. Now, you and I both know that 380 is not a good, you know, man-stopping caliber, and uh, neither is anything less than that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, sure, you can have a gun. You can have a 22 pistol, 
uh, if you want. Uh, I'm not sure how much good that's going to do you. Now, of course, um, we all know how well this has worked out for NASA. Right. And, uh, you mean it's not it's not working, Chuck? Apparently uh, not, because uh, now this is this is an interesting thing about Mexico. The Obama administration loved, and Hillary Clinton loved to go around and say, uh, 90% of the illegal firearms picked up in Mexico come to the United States. Trying to shift that blame onto us. The politicians in Mexico like to do that as well. Uh-huh. But if you go back and break down those numbers, what you'll find is that in reality, it's more like 12%. And that is because, uh, number one, of all the illegal weapons that are picked up in, in gun raids in Mexico, the vast majority of them uh, came from the, the Mexican government or military. Hmm. Now, those um, may have been sold to the Mexican government, uh, Mexican police force, Mexican military by the United States, but they were sold legally from the U.S. government to the Mexican government. And then they just happened to you know, walk off one day, go a wall, uh, into the hands of the criminals. Mm-hmm. Now, those you can't really count. Uh, as being, you know, uh, American weapons like they walked across the border, you know, because the, the point that Hillary Clinton was trying to make was that it was our, it's our Second Amendment freedoms that make the violence so bad in Mexico. It's our fault that the violence is so bad in Mexico because of that. So I would say uh, that legislating away the good people's right to protect themselves has done nothing to reduce the violence in Mexico. Well, that's abundantly clear. I, I right? can't disagree with you at all, of course. Um, and we are almost out of time already. But I wanted to also say that, you know, so much of what could really be an effective way to uh, create a safer world is found in another one of your books. And it's titled Making Men, Five Steps to Growing Up. And, you know, if we did think more about how to improve society and all the homes that don't have dads helping them make men out of young boys. Uh, maybe we could turn the tide on, on the hatefulness that goes on out there and the lack of, of, of value for human life. And I just wanted you to talk yeah, on that for uh, a moment you know, or two. Well, that's, that's a kind of a no-brainer. I mean, what we see in the United States is that the majority of the gun violence uh, is intra-gang violence in mm-hmm. the inner cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just was reading the other day that, 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 uh, the, that almost all the violence in Chicago comes from about 6% of the population. Uh, I mean, it's really only like several hundred people mm. uh, that, that perpetrate the vast majority of the violence. And, and when you go back to the, the cultural factors, the causal factors of that, it turns out that America doesn't have a gun problem. What we have is a gang problem. Right. And in reality, America doesn't have a gang problem. What it has is a fatherlessness problem because boys join gangs when they don't have a father figure in the home to show them the right way to be a man. They're looking for that father figure, and the gangs are very, uh, they're very uh, uh, enticing to them because they don't have a father figure at home. So we don't have a gang problem. We have a fatherlessness problem. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the fatherlessness problem comes from the liberal uh, policies that have been enacted around the country since the New Deal, uh, which is welfare. When we have incentivized fatherlessness, 
through the welfare system, we created this problem that has led to fatherlessness, which leads to gangs, which leads to violence uh, of all kinds. Now, you ask about other countries I've been to, you look at the gang violence that's happening in London right now, and it's off the charts, but because they've um, confiscated all the guns, it hasn't reduced the violence. What it's done is just caused the criminals to use acid. There's been thousands of acid attacks in the last year in, in London, so much so that they hardly even make the news anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use knives, they use other things. And, you know, what, and, and again, what we're seeing is that this doesn't stop violence. What it does is it causes the criminals to become more creative. Big deal, you know. So, so terrorists in London run people over with vehicles. Right. You know, there were twenty thousand people at that uh, at that concert in Las Vegas, and uh, twenty thousand targets. He managed to uh, he managed to kill fifty eight. Right. And that, how many he could have killed with a semi truck? Right. Or people said he you was know, a pilot. Guy, he could have flown France. his his plane into the crowd. But yeah, the guy in yeah, France. The guy in France killed 80 people with a with a truck. Exactly. Exactly. So it, you know the 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 whole gun control debate is nothing more. It's not about guns. We have to keep reminding people that it's not about guns. It's about control. This is what we see all over the world. And where, in, in for example, in Europe, the European Union is trying desperately to control the the parties of the European Union by. Uh, telling them that they must pass gun control legislation. And countries like the Czech Republic are fighting back and saying, nothing doing, we are not going that direction. We are not going to accept, you know, just these massive quotas of, uh, of refugees who have no intention of uh, assimilating to our culture, and we're not going to disarm our population in the meantime. Um, I love it. You know, countries are starting to wake up. Yeah, they and, are. And the president of, of the Czech Republic is saying to his people, go out and get a gun, because if more people are good people are carrying guns, that will mitigate the risk of a terror attack and killing hundreds of people well, in our country. Amen. And in fact, they've had no terror attack in the Czech Republic. Amen to that. All right, Chuck, we've got to let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on with us. Tell us real quick how we can follow your work. Uh, buy a couple of these books that I've been talking about? Oh, sure. Just Google my name. You'll, you'll find out way more about me than you ever wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I thought you deleted those pictures. Never mind. That's... Just remember, yeah, yeah. Just remember I was young. I needed the money. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Chuck. Holton, author, uh, extraordinaire, uh, front lines host, cameraman for uh, Oliver Norris' um, war stories and all things awesome. Thank you so much, Chuck. I think he's gone. All right. Okay, bye-bye now. All right, stick around because we still have another full hour with some amazing guests on Gun Freedom Radio on this episode themed The Shame Game. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, 
Let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 